Praise God. Open up your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 3. And you're going to have to find pieces of paper to take notes on because I didn't provide today the uh, announcements. I apologize for that. Today's lesson that I'm going to share with you just briefly, I want to uh, really end on the high note that we feel in this place right now. But today's message is called Knowing Jesus and Making Him Known. Just in the theme of what we had happen today, I want to encourage you to always know Jesus and to always make your life ambition about making Him known. Look at Mark chapter 3, verse 13, and when you're there, can you say, I'm there? Praise God. This is the time when Jesus was appointing His apostles. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to Him those He wanted. Somebody say, He wanted them. Somebody say, He wants me. Amen. And they came to him. Somebody said, I'm coming. Somebody say, I'm coming. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I'm coming. I'll go without you. It'll be a lot funner if you come, though. But I'm coming. He called me and I'm coming, just like the disciples. Amen. Verse 14, he appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Doesn't that sound like fun? Wouldn't that just be wonderful if we could do that again today? How about every day of our lives? We hear God call us. Hey, Joe, would you like to spend the day with me? Yes, Lord, I would like to. Hey, Josh, would you like to come out and uh, pray with me today and do some miracles? Yes, Lord, I would like to drive out some demons. That can be the life of every single believer in this place if you desire to be with Christ. You see, the Bible says He loves you just the way you are, but He loves you too much to let you stay that way. The Bible says that Jesus Christ transforms the believer's life so that they can live like Him and do the works He did. Jesus Christ started a family business, and He wants you to play a part in it. Look at your neighbor and say, join the family business. Hey, brother, I just need you to give me the mic like you did before, because I need some help preaching. Amen. Somebody say, help Him, Lord. Now, the reason why I've lost my voice in this outreach actually has nothing to do with preaching. I have lost my voice and suffered from it so much that when you meet me normally, my, my voice sounds like what? Hello, my name is Joe. That's, that's how it is. And people say, where did you get that from? From preaching, okay? And this time I got hoarse in this outreach, but it wasn't from preaching. You know what it was? We didn't have any hot water in our house, and this water in the shower was so bitterly cold that when I just was standing, I was splashing it on me. I got so upset. I said, I am no sissy. I'm going to run into this shower, and I'm going to take it like a man. And the moment I did, I was like, ah! And I lost my voice. And then I ran back out the shower, and I said, that was totally pointless. How many have ever took a cold shower? know what I'm talking about, though. Amen. Praise God for hot water. So I need help, brother. Help me out. Know Jesus and make Him known. The call is very simple. Come to Jesus' side. Be the person that Jesus Christ wants to call to His side. Yes, He calls sinners, but He doesn't call sinners to be disciples. He calls sinners to be born again and then born again people to be disciples. So there's a process. Before you're going to see the miracles and the works of God, you first have to repent of your sins and be born again. But you see right here that the twelve disciples, they were a part of a group of people that already believed in Jesus. And Jesus looked over the group of people, and he said, Peter, come over here. I want you to be with me. Andrew, come on. 
John, James, bring your brother. And he started going through them. He even saw something valuable in Judas. You know that one that eventually betrayed him? So it shows that God's not looking for perfect people. He'll give people a chance. But the opportunity is only given to those who really want it. And the question I have for you today is, do you want God to call you and choose you? And if He does, will you come? You see, the testimony that Jesus Christ gives us is that He accepts everybody. Do you know that John the Apostle, who was called by Jesus, was probably only 16 years old? Do you know if you would have looked at Jesus' 12 disciples, you would have saw a little bit of everything. You would have saw Matthew, a tax collector. He probably was a guy that really thought he knew everything. This is a guy that had an education, probably similar to like an accountant or a bookie. You know, probably a fast talker. And then over here you had Peter, and Peter was a fisherman. And I kind of look at him like I do most fishermen because I lived in the south, New Orleans, a lot of fishermen there. So he probably had a beer belly. You know, he probably, you know, cussed and used bad language, you know, cussed like a sailor. That, that's there for a reason. And then you got John. John's probably, you know, 16 years old, maybe young man just looking like Robert. And then you got his brother. And then you got a guy named Judas, who himself was a revolutionary. He was in the Revolutionary Army. You see, you would have found in those 12 people a little bit of everything. And God was saying, I could take Matthew, that tax collector, and make him into a leader. I can humble him. Jesus was looking at that young man, John, and he was saying, I can believe in him and give him authority, and God and my Father will use him. I can take Judas, a revolutionary, and I can give him a cause worth dying for. You see, today, there is not a favorite list that God has based on your economic status, based on your age, to who He calls. But what he does look at is your heart. You see, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Do you know what that means? In the time of the Roman Empire, the Roman soldiers would go from town to town to recruit their soldiers. And at that time, to be in the Roman Empire meant you got a lot of benefits, and that was a great job. So people really wanted to be in that. And so when the Roman soldiers would come, all the young men that were of age would come out to compete to be in the Roman government, to be in that army. And the young men would have to throw spears. And they would have to, you know, do that sparring with each other. And they would have to run and compete against each other. And at the end of the day, the Roman guards, the, the Roman sergeants, the drill sergeants would look over at that group of young men in that village and say, I'll take you, you, and you. Everybody else, we'll see you next year. And Jesus said that same statement to his people. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. You see, today, if you want God to choose you, you've got to do something. You see, those young men would have to get together and spar during the off-season. They would have to start competing against each other in practice. They would have to start showing themselves worthy of the calling. And I want to ask you something today. What are you doing to be with Jesus? You see, so many of us just take it as a freebie. Oh, God's with me. Oh, I accepted Him. He lives in me. But what are you doing to get close to Him? What are you doing to join His family business? The Bible says, walk worthy of your calling. 
So before God just gives you the gifts to heal people, to see people's lives saved, before He gives you those gifts, He wants to see, are you praying when nobody else is praying? Are you waking up early and studying and reading your Word? Are you being faithful? You see, the thing about these 12 disciples is, is no, they were not perfect, but they were faithful to Jesus. If you follow the life of the disciples, you know what you see? That there were times when things did not make sense and other people were quitting. The crowd was leaving, but they stayed. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, they say. Or do you just get going? You see, when trouble comes your way, do you immediately just turn your back on Jesus and say, Oh, I can't go to church now because, you know, I I got bills to pay. Come on, where's your faith? Trust God in the midst of your bills. Some people might say, Well, you know, I would join the small group ministry or the youth ministry, but, you know, I'm not that talented. How do you know how talented you are? God made you and there's gifts in you you don't even know yet. God is looking for people that want to be called, that He can choose, that He can then show His power to and give them authority to go out and change the whole world. Look at your neighbor and say, be a world changer, generation shaker, and a history maker. (laughs) Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, be a world changer, a generation shaker, and a history maker. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. I have just a few more moments, so if you amen me really good, and I feel the power in this place will end in just a few moments. Amen. Praise God. Somebody wants to get home. We're done. We done testified. It's over, Pastor. All right, let me preach a little bit, sister, okay? I'm not that ready to go. Go to 1 Corinthians 3, 9, and when you're there, please say, I'm there. It says, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Everybody say, I am God's fellow worker. Now just soak that in for a second. You're working with God. Every testimony you saw come up here is somebody that was working with God. Let us never take that for granted. There are people trying to work for God. There are Muslims, a billion Muslims, that believe that God is so holy and separate from the world that they are not guaranteed salvation. So the only way a Muslim believes they can go to heaven is if they work and work and work at being a good person for Allah, and they then hope, because they don't know, that when they die they can hopefully go to paradise. That's why they pray five times a day. That's why they fast for 40 days during the month called Ramadan. They do all of that just so at the very end, if you've ever seen American Idol, that that God is looking at them, Allah's looking at them, and they're like, pick me, pick me, pick me. Just so at the very end of their life that they just have a chance that, that, that God would pick them. Listen to me. Salvation is a free gift. Never take that for granted. And then now as being saved, that's already taken care of. You don't have to spend the rest of your life trying to work your way to heaven. Now guess what you get to do? You get to do the works of God and win souls and change the world. I think that sounds a whole lot funner, doesn't it? Instead of thinking like a Muslim, you know what? I'm going to face God one day, and this is really what they believe, that scales will come out on judgment day. 
You ever seen the, the cartoon with an angel on one side and a devil on the other side? That's actually not a Christian concept. That's a Muslim concept. Because Muslims believe that every day of their life there's a demon and that there's an angel. One tempts them to do good. One tempts them to do bad. And every time they do bad, the demon writes it down. And every time they do good, the angel writes it down. And they believe when they get to heaven that there will be a scale. And the demon will put everything on that side of the scale. And the angel will put everything that they did on this side of the scale. And if they're good, just outweighs their bad by just 1%, just a little bit more good than bad, they get to go to paradise. But the Bible says truly that one sin slams the scale down and damns every man's soul to hell. There is no way to earn your salvation. So what does Jesus offer us? Jesus says he came, died on the cross, was buried, rose again on the third day, and he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, that's all you gotta do, just somebody say believe, and believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Does anybody have everlasting life? Give God glory for it. Woo! Hallelujah. And so once again, now that I got the everlasting life, I got it. Now I can do something with it. Now instead of my judgment being as a Christian when I stand before God, am I going to heaven or hell? No, my judgment is going to be how many people am I bringing to heaven with me? How much of a difference did I make down here on this earth? How much of Christ's kingdom did I bring to this earth? Remember the Lord's Prayer? Somebody remember with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, bring the kingdom. You see, God calls you and I to bring the kingdom. What a privilege. What an honor. He says to these 12 men, follow me. And I'm going to show you who I am. And then you show the world. That's it. Knowing Jesus and making Him known. Here Paul says, I am God's fellow worker and you are God's field. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Paul says it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. What an honor. This is one of the most famous scriptures outside of John 3, 16. If you haven't memorized this one, go ahead and memorize it. It's beautiful. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Somebody say amen. See, right there Paul says, hey, once you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Now, does that mean game over, sit back, chill, be a couch potato? No, watch the next verse, starting in verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, I've been reconciled to God through Christ, and now I get to spend the rest of my life doing the ministry of reconciliation. Now I get to tell everybody about somebody that Jesus Christ will save anybody. Come on, I get to tell everybody that Jesus Christ, I can't remember it anymore, but, but you know what I meant. Just practice it too. Write it down, hand it to me, give me a prop. But look at your neighbor and say, God will use you. 
I was saved through reconciliation. And then now you can see other people saved through reconciliation. Keep going. It says in verse 19 that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. You ever seen dignitaries on TV? You know, somebody from France, they're an ambassador. They come to America. They have a, you know, a line of cars. They're in a limousine. They got the police in front of them. They go to their embassy. And then when they arrive at their embassy, they're given all of these international privileges, all these things they can do in America because they're international ambassadors. Have you heard about some of these stories that sometimes their children will commit crimes and they don't get charged because they get these international leniencies because they're ambassadors. Are you listening to me? And then what do they do? They go to these United Nation meetings. They stand before Congress and they speak on behalf of their nation. My friends, this is not your home. I got some good gospel news for you. Your home's in glory, made out of streets of gold, where Jesus Christ is Lord, where no one's sick, where no one dies, where angels of glory fly around in His throne, sing holy, holy, holy. I've got good news for you. Up there, there's no wickedness. Up there, there's no hurt or pain. Every tear's wiped from your eye. And the Bible says, since that's your home, you already got your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. A place is being prepared for you. Jesus said... Now here's the message. Be an ambassador down here on this world and get some others to come up here with you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't come to heaven alone. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You, The moment you were born again, you became a citizen of heaven. We all, most of us carry around citizen cards of America. Some don't and we love you and we're praying for you. Amen. Hope it works out for you. No la migra here. Praise the Lord. Don't tell anyone, man. Don't tell anyone. But you know what? The moment we all got born again, our first citizenship is not America. It's not our driver's license or parking permit, the community you live in. It's in glory with God. And He says, now represent me, son. Preach my word. Here's the message. And implore people, get reconciled with God. If that is going to be your life's mission, the Bible says you will be blessed. I cannot think of a better reward than to get to heaven and to see people that we have spoke to about Christ to be there with us. I don't think you and I understand how long eternity is and how short this life is. I think those are two things that we do not put in right perspective. We make this life seem like it's so long and then sometimes it's just taken just like that. And even when you go to a nursing home, because I used to do a nursing home ministry, and when you go and talk to them, you would think that you would sit down with an old person, and they would say, yeah, I feel old, I, you know, I, I don't know how I got here. You know, no, no, they, what they say to you is time went by so fast. They say, oh, I remember when I was a girl. 
I remember my grandma, who just passed when she was 90 years old, would always tell me stories about when she lived on the south side of Chicago, a Polish girl. I'm half Polish and Italian. And she would tell stories about how all the suburbs were country, and they would go out camping there. And she would tell me all these stories as as an 80-year-old woman, just as if it was yesterday. We underestimate how short our life is. And we underestimate how long eternity is. We can't even comprehend it. If I said to you right now, put your hand over the fire, how long would you even be able to keep it there? Just a few moments. And yet the Bible says, listen, the Bible says, not me, not a mean preacher, because we were called that this week, not, not just you know, religious people. The Bible, Jesus, our Lord and Savior said, many people will be there for eternity. A million years will pass by in a lake of fire and it won't even be a second to them because it never ends. And yet you and I are given the message that can bring them to glory, that can bring them to heaven. You're an ambassador. What an honor. It doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter if you're the tax collector of your family or if you're the young person here or if you're the fisherman that has a, has a bad habit of, of cursing like Peter did. God will choose you if today you repent of your sins and you say, Jesus Christ, I want to be used. You know, he took me a high school dropout. I was a high school dropout, selling drugs, arrested eight times, did time in juvenile jails, halfway houses. And when I was 18 years old, I got saved with drugs in my pocket, living with a woman I was not married to because my mother knew she was an ambassador of heaven and she knew she gave birth to her son. But that life would end one day and she wanted her son to see heaven. So she gave him the message of eternal life so he could be born again. And that day I was saved. And some of you don't know my story, but I was just saved in a church that really didn't do any of the things we're doing. And I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I was driving pizzas for a living. And I was happy just to have a job. And one day, a call came into a nursing home. And the call was, drop off three pizzas for the nurses. And I came in there just minding my own business. And I went to set down the pizzas. And right there, right in the lobby of where the nurses were, there was an old woman in a wheelchair. She wheeled over to me. And she stuck out her little bony hand. She said, hello. And I just was broken with compassion. Hear me. I was a gangbanger. You would have ran me over with your car. You wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere around me, your children, your old people. You would have kicked me out your house. And I was so often I had to sleep in my car. Here this woman says, hello. And I just went to reach my hand to touch her hand. And the nurse said, don't touch her. She'll bite you. She's a crazy old woman. So she told me. And I said, I don't care. I know where I come from. I know who I used to be. I'll touch anybody. God touched me. And I reached out my hand. And I said, Jesus loves you. And that day, 
I walked right out of that nursing home. And I sat in my car. This is where your pastor, God, is calling. And I sat in that car. And Jesus Christ spoke to me as clear as I've ever heard Him as He did to the men of this Bible. And He said to me, Son, I'm going to call you to touch the untouchable. And people will tell you not to touch them. But you keep touching them because they're mine. And I'm going to use you as an ambassador. And you want to know why? We went to Humboldt Park this weekend because there's even Puerto Ricans that have told me, don't go there. Don't go there. It's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. But you know what? God said, I love them. Reach out and touch them. Reach out and touch them. I want to know, is there anybody else that wants to touch hurting people? And say, God, I know what you did in my life. If you make me an ambassador, I promise to share it with everybody I know. We would think it a criminal cause if you had the cure to cancer and you gave it to nobody else. We would think you're a criminal if you had the cure to AIDS and you hid it to yourself. How much more you having the cure to the disease of sin. You have the cure that will save all men's souls. You must share it. Somebody say, share the gospel. Everyone stand with me in closing, please. Thank you for encouraging me as we preach today after a long weekend. 2 Corinthians 5. Or rather, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Paul says it again. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. The band, could you please come? Listen to Paul. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Do you know that we in this church do everything we can not to prohibit anybody from saying anything bad about us? We don't want to put any stumbling block. That's why everyone here that's an elder or deacon has been tested and approved. Every time we preach, we make sure we preach the right gospel. Verse 4, rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance in troubles, hardships, and distress, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights. Somebody say amen to sleepless nights. Come on, I think you're all a little sleepy. Somebody say amen to sleepless nights. And hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love in truthful speech and in power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Listen to the conclusion of this passage. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. And as a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children, open wide your hearts also. Do you know that in ministry you may get beaten? People suffer persecution. Do you know that for the sake of Christ you might be poor? 
For the sake of Christ, you might be called an imposter. Paul was. But he said, I was sorrowful, yet I was rejoicing. You know how I look at that ish? We weep at these altars for lost souls, but yet we have a joy in our heart. He says, I was poor, but yet I've been making people rich. You know why? Because I don't have to give you a million dollars to make you rich. All I have to do is give you the message of salvation. You inherit heaven. You have more than any riches on this planet. I want to encourage you today with a very serious charge. But it's going to bless you. And it's serious, so take it seriously. Know God and make Him known. People don't like me when I do that, Pastor. Know God and make Him known. I don't have a lot to give. Know God and make Him known. Every single one of you here have that charge today. And when we come back here tomorrow and the next day and the next day for the services that we have all throughout the week here, we're going to see what it's what what the price we pay for what we get in return that it's worth it because that day in a nursing home and I held that young lady uh, that young lady that old woman's hand there's now a room full of people here who knows what God will use you to do if you'll just reach out and touch one just reach out I want to tell you a couple stories in closing today some testimonies that will encourage you one time I was at a restaurant this is, I'm going to give you every example that's me not doing a work of a pastor, not preaching behind the pulpit. I was at a restaurant eating food. A gentleman came up. We started talking. I shared with him that uh, we just got back from church. You know, raiders are nice. They talk to you. Eventually, we just asked him how his day was going. He said not going very well. He had just lost his sister. And I had just lost my sister. And I said, man, I am so sorry to hear that. I'm going through that loss right now. And we just kind of bonded. And I said, man, can we connect with you at another time? He said, no, I can't do that. But I gave him our card. Ryan, hopefully you might remember. The man called me up the next night. He said, you don't know me, but my name is Mike. We just met a few moments while I was your waiter. But I'm on crack. And I live in a hotel. And I want to know, will you help me change my life? Do you remember Mike? We had a lot of them. We had over 30. You don't know if you remember Mike. He was with me in New Orleans. Mike came to my house, got saved, got his life changed, and now is in the ministry. Just from sitting down, one conversation, just sitting down, just talking to Mike. There's another story that I was in a city where I didn't even know anybody. I was visiting Minneapolis. And they asked me to preach. And my wife came with me. And we didn't know anybody. And my wife just started walking around the church telling people about Jesus. And she met a young lady. You remember that young lady? And this young lady started opening up to my wife. And she said, she had just got pregnant. Was that right? She just had a baby, and she felt rejected because she wasn't married. She was depressed. And we did this entire huge outreach, big pastor preaching. No fruit was added to that person's church. 
But the pastor called me up and he said, you know who came and joined our church Sunday? was the young lady your wife ministered to just walking around the church and she became a part of our ministry. Come on. Just just one more story, just in closing, of just being an ambassador. One time I was walking down the streets and I met this young man. And he said, I want to come to church with you. And because he had heard about us and all the activities that we were doing out there. And he came with us. And he himself didn't serve the Lord anymore. But he brought this girl called Kedra. And Kedra came to church. And one of our youth workers named Jen wasn't a preacher. Just began to hang out with Kedra. I know you know Kedra. Kedra was from the Calio Projects, didn't know her dad. Her mom had lived in the projects her whole life. Her dad had lived, uh, her mother before that, all just generation, generation, generation. And through Jen, just befriending Kedra and just reaching out, just being an ambassador, Kedra got saved. Kedra went to our Master's Commission. Then Kedra went to SUM. Kedra today is serving the Lord and her mother, both saved, serving Jesus. Nothing to do with a pulpit. Nothing to do with going out and doing anything fancy. Just grabbing somebody and saying, hey, what's up? Let's talk about Jesus. And you might always say to me, Pastor, why do you tell us stories about new ones? Because I don't want people here to get jealous because I could tell everybody's story here. Why didn't he say me? I want to give you examples of things that you can do. Because you're a product now of what we're doing here. I could talk about Monica sitting next to Tamara and Nick. That's reaching out, being an ambassador. You could talk about Jessica reaching out to her sister Jasmine. You could talk about those of you here in the youth group who have reached out one to another. Berto with uh, Jonathan. Jared with Robert. Jitta going to Pizza Hut. You never even went to that pizza, am I right? And you only worked at that Pizza Hut, Deanna, for how long? She only worked at the Pizza Hut for three weeks. He doesn't even go to the Pizza Hut. He goes there. He talks to her about Jesus. She ends up coming, getting saved. A year later, she's going to the Bible College in California this fall where Jesus goes to school. I, I got to talk about some Chicagoans, don't I? I got to talk about them. Who cares if somebody gets jealous? Amen. I know you won't. I'm just teasing. I just want you to know something, that that's your job and my job. Never get tired of it. Amen. We're going to pray. We're going to dismiss you today. And I want to encourage you to do that this week. Amen. Some of the elders are going to stay up here. If you need prayer, come on up and get prayer before you go. But we've had a great long service, so I'm just going to dismiss you. Go in peace. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, that we know the message now. We're supposed to be ambassadors. Would you just raise your hands in closing and just say, God, thank you for saving me. Reconcile me and giving me the reckon the ministry of reconciliation come on say i'm an ambassador for you lord come on jesus send people my way lord i pray you answer all of our prayers give us opportunities with our neighbors with our waiters with people god that we don't even know walking down the street lord make us ambassadors god we ask for it now in jesus name and everybody said amen bless the lord 
We're going to sing God of this city. If you want to pray, you can, but have a great Father's Day. God bless you.